This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. February 5th, 2020, Andrew Berry in his initial press conference with the Cleveland Browns spoke about being aggressive in every facet um, day one here out of the gate in the legal tampering period. I think so far, true to his word, we're going to get into all of this here. Your host, Jeff Lloyd from uh, Browns Digest of SI.com. Mr. Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Cleveland Browns wise for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Uh, I guess we'll take him here, you know, in order here, Pete. Uh, got quick out of the gate here. Um, top available tight end. And guys, we talked about all these players. The question was going to be whether or not they would put the money out there, whether or not the interest would be reciprocal from players to the Browns. Um, Austin Hooper, currently the highest paid tight end in the game, which I'm sure George Kittle's people and uh, Travis Kelsey's people are going to get on here in a hot second. Um, Formerly 2016 third round pick, number 81 overall out of Stanford, out of one of the most predominant high school programs in the country in California. Um, Production over the last two years, pretty solid. Obviously not up to par with the top guys in the game. Um, The run blocking Pete, yeah, it's a little bit of a concern, but I think you think more that the athleticism translates to the wide zone scheme. Um, There's a bunch to get to here with Hooper as far as, you know, the rest of the dominoes, but I mean, I mean, he just went out and went out and chased and to this point, good job here. I mean, whether you love Hooper or not, it's nice to see big time activity right out of the gate. But it just seems like, you know, on, on the first day of legal tampering, the Browns were ready to go and like everybody else was sleeping because they they signed a couple of contracts that seemed like they were going to go for more money uh, just the way the chatter was going. Um, Obviously, Austin Hooper isn't cheap, uh, but uh, and it's it's really debatable if he's ever going to be worth that much money. But for what the Browns want to do offensively, um, it certainly fits. And you're hoping that the presence of Kevin Stefanski and what they want to do offensively is going to sort of make up for what he sort of lacks in just pure ability. Um, it's obviously an important move from a directional standpoint. This is clearly what they want to do. They want to be a tight end centric offense. Uh, at least that would be the suggestion here, which is smart. Um, the, you know, the, the, again, you know, he's averaging $11 million a year. He may never be worth it, but you consider the fact that he will be the third highest paid pass catcher on the Browns just because of the way wide receiver money works, that both Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham make substantially more money than he does. And he may be, I think the offense is still going to flow through Odell Beckham just by the nature of what he is. But he's a pretty significant piece of what they want to do, and they cost less. So, like, you know, so one of the reactions that people have is, you know, is this an analytically focused approach? And the answer is yes. Tight ends are are super cost effective in terms of contracts. The best ones still don't. You know, like Travis Kelsey and those guys still make, you know, weirdly low amounts of money considering how much they impact uh, teams and 
you know, just from a, a wins added perspective, I mean, you just look around the league and you, and you see like uh, what teams are, are good or what teams were contending and they all seem to have either a good or a great tight end. Obviously you had uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle facing off in the Super Bowl. Mark Andrews is a huge part of what the Ravens want to do. Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, obviously multiple Super Bowls with the Patriots. So from that standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and then you still have Njoku. So you have a really young dynamic group of tight ends that could theoretically be a really big pro- problem for opponents. And now Njoku isn't even your number one tight end. And it may be more like 1A, 1B, but either way, you know, he's he's making $3 million barely this year. Uh, you know, he's got to deliver, but I mean, that's a huge set of weapons the Browns have both inside and outside. Well, for me, what I take away from it is, and I'll go even a little further with it is, um, and if you were to go, you know, you know, basically fast forward this and go to receptions at the end of the 2020 season. Hooper, if everything goes right with Kareem Hunt, could be fifth, maybe. Um, you know, you never know if there's going to be a third wide receiver brought into this fold. Um, but this is this was the guy they needed. I didn't think they were going to be able to get it done. Um, we've talked at length about this draft class. It doesn't really fit it. it what they need, the guy they needed. You know, we talked about, you know, it'd be great if, you know, Minnesota would cut Rudolph, which obviously doesn't look like it's going to happen. There was maybe one guy who fit here. Um, athletically, he tested similar. Um, doesn't necessarily have, you know, the size and the length that Kyle Rudolph does. But this was the guy, and they were able to get this done. And, you know, everybody wants to talk about, you know, the defense and stuff like that, which is fantastic. I get it. And, guys, it's been seven and a half hours. We'll get to that. But part of it also is, though, is you just took a draft need off the board. You don't necessarily need to draft a tight end right now. You have Austin Hooper. You have David Njoku. You have Carlson. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones. Farrell Brown. These guys all might be in the fold. There's enough here, Pete, where, uh, you know, it's not a great tight end class. Last year was the tight end class, but they were not obviously running this system. They did not have this coaching staff. This may have just taken one draft need off the board, which can which can elevate what you're going to need defensively to this point. But I mean, you're talking, you're too deep at wide receiver. You're too deep at tight end. Um, with the second round tender on Hunt, which I don't think anybody's going to match, you're too deep at running back. We'll get to the next phase of today's, you know, you know, signings here. But for now, skill-wise, you've got what you need, and you probably have what you need in spades. Right. So, again, I, I think a big part of this is the Joku because immediately a lot of reactions were, and I think people actually did a pretty good job of shooting this down, that, well, they're, they're going to trade the Joku, which is absurd. I mean, the whole thing with tight ends is, you know, the, the getting through that sort of growing period. So you're getting Austin Hooper uh, at 25. He's sort of gone through that, and obviously he enjoyed substantial success this past year. But it took a while to get there, and David Njoku had a, a good second year, but obviously last year was a disaster. The Browns could theoretically, if, if, if Njoku delivers the way they hope, I mean, uh, if you go back to the combine, Kevin Stefanski sort of put Njoku on notice at the same time saying he's really, really good, and we have a plan for him if he puts in the work to do it. So if Njoku is as good like they hope, 
they could either pick up his fifth fifth year option, which they probably have to decide on before that that happens, and they may even not pick it up and then extend him because you, you're getting him at that that age where he's sort of grown up and and hopefully has figured out how to be a great tight end, and you're getting two playmakers to sort of establish your offense from a passing perspective along with Odell Beckham, and then presumably Baker Mayfield, they can be sustainable for several years, uh, you know, that, that can be where you're going. And ultimately, you know, the writing would be on the wall for a certain receiver no one wants to hear about. Uh, but then that sort of, you know, that becomes the nucleus of what this is and what this offense can be. I mean, you know, again, if Njoku's your second option just at tight end and he's your fourth, maybe fifth option overall, that's scary to think about. And the guy who's going to benefit the most from that would theoretically be Nick Chubb who was the second leading rusher in the league on a, on a team that was awful passing the ball. And now they've got two guys who can hopefully, you know, they don't have to be great blockers. They just have to be enough to get in the way and at the same time hold the opponent responsible for them passing the ball along with Beckham and then Landry all on the field at the same time, potentially a fullback's in the mix and they can just pound the football and make it easier on everybody. But, that's the thing is like when you sign Austin Hooper and, and I, I can quibble on the contract and, and some of those things, but if they get what they want out of Njoku, they can keep these guys for a really long time because he's t- Hooper's 25, Njoku turns 24 in June. And then you obviously have Beckham who's still young and Baker Mayfield, who's the youngest of that group. Well, and you look at it this year. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sorry, not this year, but you know, Austin Hooper and four years, 44 million, 23 million guaranteed. Um, and anybody getting caught up in the numbers, keep in mind the 21 cap is going to rise like exponentially, like crazy. We're talking like 30 million because that's when you're going to go to the 17 game schedule. Um, but you know, you go just by 18, you know, Hooper two years in a row, 70 receptions per Najoku, obviously best year of his career, obviously was 18, 56 receptions. You add in Odell Jarvis and obviously Nick, um, it's a lot to account for defensively. Um, AFC North, you know, obviously the Ravens are doing well. Everybody else, and Joe and Jake, I love you guys, but did you really think day one of free agency, Bengal wise, you guys were going to be involved? Come on, we talked about this. We talked about this. And Pittsburgh's kind of hamstrung. Um, you know, they're just going to try to run it back and hope that Ben at his age, whatever, be that as it may. Um, and so even still with these contracts you've signed today, there's, you know, ways to rework them even within a calendar year. And we'll start getting a little bit more in depth with that with the second sign here, Jeff Lloyd from SI.com, Mr. Pete Smith, as we continue to roll on through here. Um, for any of you have the Google Home, ask it to play your latest Cleveland Browns news. You'll get me shorter segments. Obviously, I highlighted today a little more bios on each guy. Uh, there's a short segment about a minute, longer segments about five minutes. You got Google Home. Ask it to play you the latest Cleveland Browns news, and it will bring you, you know, some more direct stuff from me. And Pete, we this is another one. Look, we talked about it, and it was for us. It was why are you going to pay a right tackle, dominant left tackle money? Then you get the terms of the deal: three years, forty-two million, and again, another player, twenty-five years old. $20 million guaranteed in the first year, so kind of front-loaded. Um, so there's two ways to play this. It's either, you know, again, 
within a year, if it really works out, let's get you on a much longer term deal. Or let's play out this three years, which could lead to, you know, the end of a Joel contract, the end of a JC Treader contract, play it from there. But like you said, when we began here, it was almost like, because there was a lot of talk today, like, you know, teams were like, are we really going to do this today? Are we really going to, with everything that's going on in the world? And look, guys, we're not ignoring this anyway, but it's a busy day. So we're going to report on the news. I mean, you follow Pete, you follow me. You guys know where our thoughts and our heart is. But, you know, we have some really good stuff to talk about today. So football-wise, we're going to do that. It almost seemed like everybody else was sitting with the car in park and the emergency brake. And the Jets, who were apparently, you know, rumored by several people to say, oh, we're going to give Jack Conklin 18, 19 million per. Here it is, 342, 30 million guaranteed, 20 in the first year. You've got a way to play this after one year, or you've got a way to play it after year three. I, I don't hate it. And look, you know, the pass blocking, you know, it's, it's had issues here and there. Um, but as far as, you know, and John Costco has been emphasizing this throughout the entire process, as far as a, ta- a tackle in the wide zone run blocking concept, Jack Conklin is one of the best. Um, and this is what is going on here. Nick Chubb, as well as he runs this, you now have a tackle who's going to be your right tackle who blocks it just as well for the, for the contract. It, it's, like, whoa, it's definitely a step back. And I know you've got some thoughts on this year. So I don't want to steal everything you put out on Twitter today, Pete. Well, look, I, I don't like Jack Conklin, Conklin, the player. Because to Jess, having said that, you know, the way they negotiated this contract first, Drew Rosenhaus is an awful agent, just awful. Like, if you're, if you are, Jack Conklin, and you're seeing uh, Vitae's contract, you should turn to Drew Rosenhaus and go get out. I'm getting a new agent right now because he got, uh, you know, Conklin gets three years, 42 million, you know, 30 million is guaranteed and 20 million this season. Vitae is getting five years, 50 million from the uh, Lions. Detroit Lions. He's an awful player and he's getting. You know, $10 million a season, I don't know how the structure is. He may not see part of that. But Jack Conklin was far and away the best free agent out there. And, you know, after all that talk about, you know, how much money he was going to get, he got an average of $14 million per season, which is high, but it's not $18, 19000000 million high. And then the other part of that is the $20 million they're paying him this year is almost entirely going to be paid over by rollover cap, which is not real money. So. Every year, the Browns are using, they have about $32 million in rollover cap. And between Hooper and now this Jack Conklin contract, they're basically going to use all of it, not having touched any of their real cap uh, for this year yet. And they get for three years, which they could obviously come back and extend. You know, he's 25, he'll be 28. I mean, he's going to turn 26 right before the season starts basically right at the season start but he's going to be a free agent again at 28 the Browns could theoretically extend him or if they bring in somebody behind him um then they can sort of move on or, or trade him or whatever 
But once you get past $20 million that first year, which is an all rollover cap, which is, again, why this is so important to have somebody who understands how these things work, then now it becomes a, you know, two-year, $22 million contract, which, again, not great, but it's perfectly reasonable, and you can do it. Um, obviously, they still have to address left tackle. God, I hope this ends any discussion of the, the not notion that they need to address right guard, which I've hated from the word go. Jack Conklin presumably goes to right tackle. I don't assume that they're going to try to flip him. And now they've got Treader and Conklin flanking, you know, the winner of Wyatt Teller versus Drew Forbes, which I think, you know, is more than enough. I mean, if you get exactly what you got out of Wyatt Teller last year, you're fine. If he's yep. better, that's great. Sort of say, I, I'm stunned that first of all, I'm stunned that the Jets let this happen. This, like, I, I thought for sure they would give up more money than this, but especially would have given this up. They've got nothing uh, to protect Sam Darnold. Like, this is their move. This is what the Jets do. They overpay for players like this. And they sort of, again, it, it feels like teams sort of let the Browns sort of like get in there before everybody else. And, and again, Drew Rosenhaus, just an awful agent. I don't, I don't know why people keep hiring him, uh, but like it, it, it's not a steal, but it feels like a steal just by virtue of the fact that it felt like there was way more money on the table out there for a three-year deal. And it gives them options. They're not stuck on anything. I think people need to sort of temper their expectations. I think he will be good for what the Browns want to do. I think he's good for the wide zone scheme. I think he's good for the play-action passing game. But he's not like Joe Thomas is a right tackle. He's a good player. He's not an elite player. Well, for me, and you know, and Pete and I were talking about this during the day, and I was like, well, the, the Jets are going to pay this guy an exorbitant out in you know, Pete and typical Pete fashion where we're busting each other's chops is, well, if he, they don't, it's your ass. But when you see the contract and the terms of it, it's like, well, like no, like nobody wanted him for this amount. And you know, like uh, the jets, I mean, and look, I mean, in talking with all my jets folks today, like they're nervous now, like it's, it's an Adam Gase thing, which certainly, certainly could be the point, but you literally have players turning, eyes on uh, you know uh douglas and gase and these fuck these guys have been around longer and had held titles better than barry and stefanski but this is you know it's you can't argue with it and uh you know before we start moving on a little bit here pete um again this is where now pete again we we talked about it it was double digit a tackle whether it was 10 and 41 whether it was 10 and 74 um, yeah, I'm left tackle between, you know, you, you, look, if nobody wants Andrew Thomas at 10, okay, we'll find a way to make that happen. But, you know, the double dipping on tackle here and everybody who's concerned about defense, this is yet another draft need squashed, buried. You want to take a developmental tackle in, uh, in round six, round seven, that's fine. Be that as it may, but you're killing needs here. And Obviously, 10 still seems to be in play the way it always has been. But now this opens it up for linebacker. And look, Joe's market doesn't seem to be too hot right now. 
And regardless of what's going on with their personal situation, you know, obviously with the baby and they're in quarantine, yada, yada, yada. And God bless them. I wish them all the best. Um, there should still be talk and that type of stuff. Um, and other linebackers are coming off the board here, but tight end is off the board. I'm not saying tackle is completely off the board, but as far as it being a predominant, you know, a second tackle drafted, that's off the board. Yeah. Let's not get nuts. Um, so <laughs> I, I still think anything other than tackle, whether it's taking it at 10 or trading down is utterly insane. Um, I think for one thing, you don't have one. I mean, until you have one, you don't. And, and No, that's what I agree. It's, it, it's, tackle, it's tackle first and then everything else after. But I absolutely am drafting a second tackle on this class. It's too good. I mean, it's just that good. Again, I, I mean, I've pointed out some of these guys that I think, you know, you may not even see drafted or maybe like late round picks, like Danny Pinter from Ball State or whatever. Uh, there's a couple guys like that that, you know, the next generation of Runyon is another athletic freak. I, I, whether they want to go, you know, get a guy like Matt Pert, you know, in that sec- second day range, maybe they don't go that rich. But, you know, again, I, I think you have to – draft what's there and this this tackle class is outstanding tight end you can forget it i mean it was not a good class to start with um and and again it's not a position you love drafting um other than you sort of want to draft one every year in the, the hopes that you basically get like you know random dude out of portland state that suddenly puts up two pro bowl years and then disappears off the face of the planet a lottery but ticket it's just yeah it's just a long development process but offensive line i mean it ne- you never have enough. And obviously this past year you saw it with the Browns live. And obviously they, they and again, you know, as much as I love to, to crush Dorsey and I, and I do, um, it wasn't, <laughs> you know, they, they, he did it right in terms of at least addressing depth. Like he brought in Kendall Lamb, who I think is a fine player. Uh, he brought in uh, Eric Cush, who's, you know, a, a fine player for what, you know, you want Eric Cush to be doing. And and they just got barraged by injuries. I mean, you know, you have Greg Robinson kick a guy in the head, and then, like, Kendall Lamb sets foot on the turf, and his knee gets twisted up almost immediately. Like, your depth was just evaporated in, the, in, in five minutes of real-life time. Um, but you just got to keep going, and, and I think that you have to keep looking at it from that standpoint. But, uh, you know, this is one of those things where, and again, I, I, I'll give Dorsey credit for this as well. For the most part, he went into each draft without having obvious needs, like he could go in and take best player available. I don't think the Browns are going to have that luxury this year, at least the offensive tackle. I mean, you can, I mean, technically Chris Hubbard is still here. I'm hoping somebody comes in and says, hey, I'll give you something for that. I mean, hell, the Baltimore Ravens you don't have a fifth traded, round pick. Let's give you a fifth round pick. I'll take Chris Hubbard the, off The your Baltimore hands. Ravens traded you know, generic replacement tight end for like a second round pick. Hayden Hurst is awful. That pick, that, that trade is a train wreck. He was a and he's like old. He's like really old. Yeah, he was, he's like 25 coming out because he had a, he was a former baseball guy. He didn't produce for South Carolina. And then he was the pick that went before Lamar Jackson uh, <laughs> and did nothing because they got Mark Andrews, but it wasn't like, you know, they, they played like seven tight ends. Hayden Hurst still sucked. So, uh, you know, the Falcons gave up real assets for this. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I'm hoping somebody will give something for Chris Hubbard. 
but yeah, I mean, you can sort of play the board more uh, in some of those things. I think wide receiver, you're still going to want to draft one just because, again, it's the way the board is, but they don't it's have to place. get one that needs to play right now just by virtue of the fact that they're going to limit the amount of reps I think they have three receivers on the field, either because they have two tight ends or they have a fullback. There's just not as many reps, but you do have to sort of prepare for A, injury, or B, life after insert receiver uh, that you sort of have to look at it like that standpoint. But you can also like think outside the box. So, you know, like the other pod, uh, you mentioned, you know, we, we talked about Antonio Gibson. You liked uh, Lynn Bowden. Another guy who's sort of in that mold would be uh, Dev- uh, Duvernay from Texas, who I think is really, really good. Yep. Uh, way better than the other guys mentioned. Uh, 4-3 speed guy and super productive. Uh, and, you know, he's built like a tailback. I mean, if, if, you, if you want to get sort of that wide tailback thing, maybe Kareem Hunt does too much of that, but you can sort of have fun with that third option that really complements your offense, as opposed to the feeling the need to get a guy that has to be able to sort of come in and play right now. That's a little bit more interesting, I suppose. Well, and the other thing could be is with everything that Jarvis is going through and it looks like Odell's on the faster recovery track. Um, there was a guy who, yeah, Rashard Higgins, who had a really great relationship and, God knows where his path is going to go here. Um, so, you know, obviously he comes into play here, and I don't think for Shard Higgins with everything that's going on. And if we learned anything about the wide receiver group today, and look, we'll save this for, you know, a couple of shows as this goes on through here and what the hell Houston did today. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I have – I mean, is there really anything other, Pete, than that? Other than it's the laugh at it, like, what the hell look, did you just do? I mean, look, well, Deshaun Watson is fine Bill quarterback. Ryan did for everybody. He, everybody who's, who's even mentioned the possibility of trading Odell Beckham, you can see what DeAndre Hopkins got in return, and you can basically just move on. They're, because they're not worth anything. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, maybe they crush it in the draft because it's a great wide receiver class, and they they get guys that can help them. but there's no reason to give Bill O'Brien the benefit of the doubt anything when it comes to trades or GMing anything. I mean, they've traded DeAndre Hopkins and Jadevian Clowney in back-to-back years and gotten a first-round pick in neither of those deals, but gave up uh, two first-round picks for Laramie Tunsil. I mean, you're going the wrong way. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't get it. But, yeah, I mean, look, I'm always happy to have stupid GMs in the league, Dave Gettleman. Shout out um, for franchise tagging Leonard Williams. <laughs> I don't know what what you're doing, but uh, you keep doing it. Um, that you know, if, if the Browns have Andrew Barry, who you know it was he's inexperienced, he doesn't know what he's doing. So far, he looks more than up to the task, both in terms of identifying talent, being able to acquire it and get it at nice contracts. And he's the youngest GM in the league. Where some of these guys you know, can't get out of their own way and just keep doing weird, dumb moves that don't make any sense and leaving their fans questioning. And some of these things, you know, the, the vision sort of goes further. Obviously, the the clowny trade was insane on space, but that also, had, you know, that, that paved the way for the Tunsil trade. Maybe there's a plan for the Giants that makes sense. It, it doesn't, but you can pretend. So, you know, the, the Browns 
have done a very good job so far. Uh, again, we can quibble about contracts and those type of things, but now they have to, you know, get a defense. Oh, there's no doubt about the defense. And, you know, Dave Gettleman is the gift that keeps on giving, and UNL paying, you know, three defensive tackles, I guess it's going to be north of close to $25 million. God bless you, Dave Gettleman. But um, way to bring in, um, you know, Bradbury. Um, I'm not sure you're running that cover two where he excels, but whatever, you know, you go with what fits for you. Uh, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, Locked On Browns, your Tuesday edition here. We got news to talk about. It's 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 fun to get a break again from it. Uh, Zabo Apparel, S-Z-A-B-O. Love the folks over there. Brian and his family, they put out a great product. It is done from the heart. They appreciate what they do. They love this franchise, and God bless them for it. Travel to away games, ZaboApparel.com, at ZaboApparel on Twitter, at ZaboApparel on Instagram. Their quality, shirts hold up, everything, nothing shrinks, nothing runs. It holds up to wash. Zabo Apparel. Great folks over there. Make sure if you're looking for Browns here, you're checking out the fine folks at Zabo. Now, Pete, um, you know, for years, the longstanding thought on the backup quarterback, and you go back to Polian with Pete Manning, it's if QB1, we'll just, you know, insert the phrase here, if QB1 goes down, we're effed, we're screwed, it's over. Um, for the case Keenum signing, three years, 18 million, 10 guaranteed. This is more of a, you know, the analytics is going to yang while the old school football guys are going to ying. It's at least we have something here that at least we can work with. Um, and maybe the drop off will not be that great. Case Keenum, granted, Kevin Stefanski's offense is a little bit different than the one Case Keenum was running in 2017, which got to a 2017 NFC Championship game. Kevin Stefanski was the quarterback coach. Obviously, it was Kubiak's offense. Kevin Stefanski's got his own wrinkles here. But the thought process is, is let's not have that huge of a drop-off. Um, you agree. I agree. I'm sure most sane Browns fans agree. You want six behind the guy. You want six behind the center. You want six calling the offense in case if it's, you know, a little light, too sugar sweet, you know, make sure you get Baker's coffee right. But this is a theory of we don't want that big a drop off if we have to go to the backup quarterback. And for intents and purposes, yeah, I'd, I'd love Baker to take every snap. But you have to look at it from the fact of, you know, you want something. You want to be able to at least keep some sort of continuation. And with the two tight end offense and all of this stuff, and granted, don't want to take a damn snap. But it's it's a really, really big insurance policy. But I guess it's one they felt comfortable with taking. I don't care that he's like, you know, I don't look at it from the standpoint of, of, uh, you know, you don't want this guy to play. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, if if that happens, Case Keenum was fantastic in this offense in 2017. Uh, you know, he helped the, the Vikings go to the NFC Championship that year. But that's not why this is a smart move. Uh, I mean, that, that is certainly one more reason to like it. But he knows the offense. 
He's 32 years old. He knows what he's looking at, and he's a, he's a guy that's an extra set of eyes. He's a sounding board both on the field and in the film room who can just make sure that Baker Mayfield is confident in what he's looking at, confident in what he's doing. I mean, that's the whole reason you brought in Drew Stanton. The difference is if push comes to shove, Stanton can't play and, and you know, Keenum can. And this means we don't have to, hopefully, don't have to mess around with having Garrett Gilbert on this team anymore. You shouldn't need to carry three quarterbacks. That should be a positive. You should get two and then a, a uh, practice squad guy. But, yeah, that's the value is, you know, Case Keenum may know the, should come in and know the offense better than anyone on this team right out of the gate, and that's valuable. He also shouldn't need many reps, which is also valuable. So I only, you know, whether you want to get caught up in – well, we don't want to see him on the field and all this other stuff. That's fine, but it actually makes Baker Mayfield better, which is why it, it, it's a, a logical move. And, and it, you know, it's $6 million a year or whatever, however it's structured. It's probably two years in and out. It's not that expensive. It's not like you're paying, you know, 8 to $10 million for Nick Bowles type in case Keenum's every bit as good in this offense as Foles was in that Eagles offense. So, I think it's a great move, uh, but not just because he can play, which is great, but it's because of what value he has for this offense for Kevin Stefanski. Uh, no, um, and I do agree with you, and <laughs> and you bring up Drew Stanton and some of these names, and um, how dare you pick on Mr. Gilbert? A AAF first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, but Pete, let's talk here a little bit while we got a little bit of time here. Obviously, Christian Kirksey, uh, Justin Burris going to Carolina, Eric Murray getting paid. <laughs> Holy Jesus. Um, some of what's trimming away here, and look, safety is going to have to be addressed, no doubt about it. But um, Kirksey contract when it first came out, everybody got a little nervous, and then you see the breakdown of it and a little more. Justin Burris. God bless you. I mean, you know, it's always been tough here, and maybe he's got him, found himself a little bit at home. But Eric Murray, whew, I mean, wow. It, it, it's crazy how money on day one just goes flying, flying out of people's pockets. Well, Bill O'Brien, again, you know, expert GM here. And, again, their whole thing has been – Like, how does who fires who? Does he fire himself from GM, or does the, him, the GM, fire himself from being head coach? I have no idea how this works. Um, yeah, so their whole thing is trying to figure out that secondary. They've been doing this for years. Uh, obviously, they, they messed around with this with Bradley Roby, who they re-signed to a three-year deal that's worth up to $36 million. They moved on from uh, Jonathan Joseph, who's 35 now, um, and they just signed Eric Murray for three years. Uh, 22 and change. Yeah, 20, $22 million. And, and um. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> right. maybe, maybe there's ah. super heavy incentives involved, and and there's something else there. But man, I, I, there maybe there's a, a third year where there's a, a ton of money sitting there. But I mean, I I would have loved to have had Eric Murray back, but not for that. Uh, not like, in a heartbeat.
Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously guys getting paid. Uh, Christian Kirksey, it's a pleasure to see. Um, and you see the way it's broken down and obviously you know, the value and the leadership there. Um, Blake Martinez obviously looks like he's moving on. The linebackers moving on. Corey Littleton still available. Um, Kwiatkowski, who was a popular name, is now done to the Raiders. Pete, where does this leave this franchise and Joe Schobert? Well, nobody uh, really has moved too much on the linebacker front. Uh, Kwiatkowski got $20 million, $21 million over three for the Raiders. That seems expensive to me, but a lot of people think it's a good deal, I guess. Um, Kyle Van Noy just took a deal with the Miami Dolphins for like $55 million. I didn't even see the numbers on that, really. And I don't even know if they're considering him an off-ball linebacker. Or they're, you know, sort of another edge type. But like, well, Flores, but Flores has had him before, so Flores probably thinks I got myself a chess piece at the, a chess piece at the linebacker position. But, um, you know, but when you got a boatload of money, I mean, I guess you can kind of go a little crazy with it. Right, and they they obviously signed Shaq Lawson to a, a deal that you know could be worth a stings piece heart, which I think is a, a lot. But he, it, you know, there's a risk it could pay off. But like Corey Littleton and Joe Schobert, there hasn't been any movement. How much of that is because obviously Schobert and uh, his wife just had a child and they're dealing with that? I don't know, but it just seems like the, the linebackers really haven't made that move yet. Which was, you know, compared to, you know, the last couple of years where linebackers were getting paid out the butt and everybody who's worried about the safety class, Pete, not most of the safeties and at least, you know, well, Anthony Harris and the Vikings, what, twice screwed us today? That's fine. Um, but for the most part, the safety class, nothing's really happened yet. So patience again, patience. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, that was a kick in the nuts. Um, I don't know where that's going, if they're going to try to trade him or if they actually do intend to try to keep him. Uh, look, I mean, the guys that the Browns could be interested in, Carl Joseph is still out there. That's who I really like. Von Bell is still out there. Trey Boston. Yeah. Trey Boston is a good player. You know, I know there's still people who, who are trying to convince themselves that the dude from the 49ers is good, even though he's not. Um, yeah, it's, again, it, it's more to do with the fact that the Browns basically have two safeties on their roster, like total, uh, than anything. But, yeah, there's no question there's time to do it. I just, again, and I've said this, I don't love the safety class in the draft. Um, so free agency seems more prudent, but yeah, I mean, both of the biggest big time free safety options and the one that seemed the most likely to be a possibility for the Browns or, or franchise, just, uh, just in Simmons being the other one. I mean, that was never a shocker though on Justin Simmons. Um, obviously Denver loves him and you know, kind of, you know, going to have to pay the dues there, so to speak. Um, Pete has been a busy day for you. Um, Hopefully, you know, take a little something for the carpal tunnel. But uh, let everybody, th- everybody know everything that's over at Browns Digest. Uh, so, so far, I think this is, I'm about to post article number nine so far. Just everything <laughs> that has happened. Uh, Eric Murray will be 10, I assume. Uh, what has happened, what it means, all that good stuff is up there. Uh, every, you know, all the the articles have videos attached, so. Uh, whether the writing is good or, or awful, you can at least uh, just click the video and save yourself some time. Either way, uh, or sign up on the uh, website and you can comment, tell me how wrong I was on everything. 
as that's always therapeutic for everyone. Yes, because um, God knows at the end of the day, um, you all love to tell everybody how wrong he or I are. Um, but I think no, it's worth uh, pointing out though that Olivier Vernon is still on the team, and so many people kept insisting he wouldn't be. Um, and we've tried to explain about edge class and whether it's free agency or whether it's this draft class. We tried, we tried, we tried. Um, and for now, uh, praise here because um, the last thing you want is another hole on defense because everybody's questioning about where this defense is at. So uh, let's cool on that front, people. Um, make sure you're checking out everything SI.com, Browns Digest, um, Pete's busting his tail, his team's busting their tail over there, at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, the show itself, at Lockdown Browns. As you guys know, always follow back account. DMs are open, anything you need. Um, we'll get to questions here in the next couple of days. Obviously, we had a bunch to get here to today. Um, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, DMs are open over there as well. Um, obviously, fun day today. A, a nice break from everything that's going on. Um, let's not de-emphasize everything that's going on. Be safe. Be smart. Um, it's terrible that, you know, towns and counties and states have to tell you to keep your ass home but look it's for the people who just don't get it stay home wash your hands take care of yourselves take care of the, the ones you love if you got neighbors friends whatever work it out figure out a way to help each other um there's always the big phrase of it takes you know the village to raise a child in times like this it takes a village to get through what we we're all going through um Again, fun day here, a little break from the norm. We'll continue to follow it as the week goes on and rolls on. Uh, with that, for Jeff Lloyd, for Pete Smith, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>